Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. So, I mean, it's the start of 2021, and I've been talking to a lot of really junior PMs recently, and one of the most commonly questions that I've been getting asked is effectively, what is a day in the life like, or kind of in the old office space uh, theme, what would you say you actually do here uh, as a product manager? And so I thought today that would be the great topic for conversation. So maybe I'll start it off by kicking it over to Zach and saying, Zach, what does a product manager do? <laughs> um, yeah, great question. Um, I think the simplest I've ever heard it put is helping define um, what we are doing uh, for who and, and why. So a lot of that has to do with like what is actually the most important problem to solve. Um, so the engineers are good at figuring out how to build things. Uh, designers are good at figuring out like how to make something usable, but a product manager is meant to figure out, is this the right thing for us to be doing right now? Are we doing it for the right person and for the right uh, user reasons and business reasons? And so um, really answering the questions of why and, and giving the kind of uh, connective tissue of vision for like what the team should be doing is, is I think kind of at the core. So maybe we need to take it down even another, another level. Let's assume that, you're an associate product manager. You've heard what you've just said there, Zach. How can we translate that into a meaningful day one action for them? Yeah, um, day man, day one action. I, I think for a, a brand new product manager on your first day, like the first thing you want to be doing is starting to build relationships. So, if your job is to help understand why you're doing what you're doing, and if you're building it for the right people and you're meeting the right business needs. Uh, you, you need two things. You need um, good relationships and strong lines of communication so that you can communicate effectively across all the different teams. Uh, and you need context to understand the different inputs that go into that decision. Like you, don't, you can't know if you're doing the right thing if you don't understand how the the business, the finances, and the business model works, or you know, if you don't understand the technology powering your solution. So day one, the first things you want to do is start to get that context and start to build those relationships. And so it, it, the most tactical, um, I'd recommend identifying um, kind of the, you know, the key people you'll be working with across each department, engineering, analytics, marketing, design, um, and starting to get to know those people and do as, as good of a job of listening as you can, you know, take notes, really hear what they have to say, um, ask questions or take notes, digest it and ask questions later. I think that's the most important thing you can do. Yeah. Get, get the fire hose, right? Like just all the data that you can uh, possibly get. I'm, I'm starting a new job. Uh, I actually started it yesterday. So I just send me all the decks, give me all the information. Let me uh, just absorb and, and, and just be a sponge in that, that first, you know, the first 90 days, kind of just like Zach said, you're meeting who's important. Um, what are their issues? What are the problems that they're dealing with? What do they rely for you on? 
um, and then also just understand the business uh, through and through. So most likely, if it's not a new industry for you, if it is a new industry, then just learn. So just you know, educate yourself. Google is a is a wonderful tool. <laughs> so just dive into there and ask questions and be curious and be a sponge. That's that would be my recommendation. What would you you say say like when you joined your first PM role? What was the first decision that you had to make? Like, what was the first thing somebody came to you and said, Hey, as the PM, I need you to make a decision on X. Uh, maybe Patrick, Patrick's smiling over there. looks like he's got a good one in mind. Posey, I'm just trying to remember what that decision was. Um, <laughs> I, know, I was <clears throat> one of the kind of weirder PMs in the fact that I started my career in data engineering. So that's where I'm trying to sit here going like, what was it? It was probably something to do with how we were trying to structure actually like what events were coming into our database more than anything. If we were to back it out to something probably more applicable to a wider audience, though, I think it probably was more to do with something trivial or something that was basically just like we need a decision on a fork in a road. So oftentimes the things that I've realized are for APMs, a lot of times people will be basically run into decision paralysis. So you're presented with an opportunity and you're essentially given, you know, a fork or multi-fork kind of option. So do we take this one, this one, or this one? Both or all three options are equally good. And generally speaking, you're going to have maybe two to five minutes to make an evaluation of that and commit. And so to kind of Kevin into Zach's point, the key really is like, you need to have this deep understanding of what's going on try and understand the context. It's perfectly fine to change your answer and try and back out eventually. But oftentimes it's like the team is looking for direction. They need to make kind of, hey, is this a is this screen going to be blue or is this screen going to be red? You know, is it going to be, you know, this button takes us here or takes us there? And so just being able to have well-rationed, you know, decisions and commit to one of those in a timely manner is really what it's all about. Yeah, I think that's kind of funny you say that because, Thinking through like even just my first couple of days at Ibotta, I remember the way it was. It was a trivial decision. One of my engineers popped his head over uh, over my desk and basically said, "Hey, Lou, like, you know, as a product manager, I need you to uh, tell me, you know, how does this design look? We could either do this little spinner widget this way, or this little spinner widget, you know, that way, or like this is the behavior of this button. Like, what should we do?" And that was like the first, I think, decision that I had to make at Ibotta. It was on like day two or day three. And I remember being like, I only barely understand this product, but I guess intuition would tell me that this is a very relatively minor decision. It's not a big deal. And let's just make it and go with it. And it actually, you know, kind of, I think in the team's favor, when you're coming on to a new team, if you can avoid decision paralysis, the team's going to know they can kind of start trusting you early on. Like if you can give them, oh, I think this, because of this reason, and you're not afraid of making a minor decision, it'll actually help like a whole lot getting started. Yeah, I think the minor versus the major decisions, but also providing your reasoning, right? Like yeah. I think that was pretty crucial. Like I think we should do this because, and as long as you feel confident in that decision in the moment, I think it is the best route. And then you learn, right? You know, you you, you never can make all 100% of the right decisions, right? But I think you can, you can, um, you know, learn fast by by making decisions quick that need to be made quick, and then adjusting and, and adapting. So, um, yeah. Well, that sounds like 
a kind of a, a thing we should maybe talk about, which is just based on your level, what decisions are you making? Like what is like, what's a thing that you're going to have to make a decision on, on a daily basis. So as an associate PM, it's probably design tweaks, um, minor roadmap changes, maybe for a smaller squad or, you know, as a, as a part of another team, as a product manager, you're going to be deciding on initiatives and epics. So you're going to say like, I have this thing, then that thing. And then, you know, as you get up senior level, it's more corporate strategy. Like how does this piece, how does this decision, this direction truly affect us from, you know, a company wide level? Yeah, I, I would say foundationally. So yeah, there's different decisions like you'll have to make the more you progress from like an associate product manager up to a more senior PM or even to a director or, you know, a, a product leader. Um, and I think one of the foundational things is like how much information do you really need to make a decision? Um, a lot of the times you're not going to be able to have all of the information. Um, and so it's about making sure that you have like, you know, do you have the right 30% of information, 40% of information that will help you make a good decision. Um, and another thing I'd say, especially is you're a more associate and product manager, you know, try not to overthink it too much. Um, that can be, that can be easy to do, but, uh, you know, a lot of times the, you know, the options ahead of you, they're not necessarily like 40 chess situations, um, sometimes, but sometimes it's just, you know, what, is the most reasonable strategic choice based on what you know at the time. Um, and then I think, yeah, for, for an associate product manager, a lot of those choices are going to be smaller. So your area of scope is generally not even a full product. It's a, a part of a product. So it might be a new landing page that you're helping build or a subset of a feature or maybe an AB test. And so, your decisions are, are going to be that level of impact. You know, should we try a different button? Should we try, you know, a different assortment of content on this page? Um, and so um, those decisions, you know, they kind of scale in importance based on, you know, how many users are looking at this page or, you know, how much revenue uh, do we have lying uh, on the table based on this part of the experience? And so those are some of the questions to kind of uh, consider as you're, as you're making decisions. You, you kind of hit on a point that I was actually explaining in a couple interviews, like this got asked as a question, as a question of me. And it's really this question of diligence versus scope, right? It's how big is the decision that we're making? And as a result, that requires more and more diligence. So if you are making a small change, that's like, oh, this engineer is going to implement this in one or two hours. Like sometimes you can just go with a gut feeling on that. You don't need to really have that much data, maybe it's just contextual knowledge of the market, et cetera. But if you're starting to look at something like, oh, this initiative or this epic, um, which is basically just a bucket of work, right, is going to take us three to four weeks, you start thinking about, oh my gosh, if I can pit an entire engineering team for three to four weeks and we build the wrong thing, right, that's not, that's where you want to get into that higher level of diligence. And so the higher up you that scale you go, you might go, from let's think about like, I'm building a new feature in the browser extension. It could be, okay, well, I want to change the color from green to yellow. Okay, cool. I'll talk to my designer, maybe see how much effort it is. Bam. Like that's a decision that we're going to make solely. Right. But if we're going to look at, I need to prioritize this four to five week chunk of work. That's really strategically important. 
I'm going to work with the designer. We're going to come up with designs. We're going to talk to the engineering team, get a level of effort. We're going to go to UX research. We're going to give them the designs and put them in front of real savers. We can get real feedback. Then we're going to modify those designs. And ultimately, all of that will lead to the decision to prioritize that epic. So it's kind of like a scope and scale type of piece. Yeah, I I like that. Um, And it kind of reflects this idea of like, you know, how how hard would it be to undo what you've done? So I think mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos has in one of his shareholder shareholder letters has the idea of type one and two decisions where one type of decision is easily reversible and the other is not. And so kind of similar to that scale is like, you know, if we make this decision now, how hard would it be to change course? So that's something I, I sometimes think about as well is, uh, you know, a, a design styling change on the page, you know, if we're not super sure, well, this is going to be, this would be easy to, to correct in the future. So maybe we go with it versus, you know, we're picking a new vendor to power some of our back end, and it's going to lock us into a two-year contract that's super expensive. You might need to put some more thought into that. So what, what happens when you're an APM in that position and you make the wrong decision? Let's say like there's an example where it was, you thought it was low fidelity, but it ended up being high fidelity decision and it, uh, it screwed the pooch. <laughs> what <laughs> what uh, advice or, or correction do you take as an APM? This, this will happen and has happened at every level of PM I've been at, by the way. Um, so don't yeah, feel bad. I, <laughs> it's part of the job. Um, the way I've always approached it is like, what are the outcomes of the decision? And so obviously there's the, the, you know, the decision didn't go as you expected. Um, so when something goes wrong, when you make the wrong choice, it doesn't have the intended consequence, whether that is, you know, you're increasing whatever metrics you're looking to, to, to improve for your product or whatever business goals you're, you're going towards. Um, you generally learn something from that. The larger the mistake, the bigger the, the things you learn. And so the, I think the best thing you can do in that scenario is, is take those learnings and then use those to modify your approach. So, um, uh, you know, pay with Ibotta being a, a good example of this. Um, I think we had multiple false starts from the positioning side to the architecture to when we launched the products, um, you know, having to adjust for, for fraud and building out, you know, controls. Um, and so I think in all of those cases, it's just an example of like, how do we, how do we respond to what we're learning and adjust in a way that can make us successful from here? So, I mean, unless you're truly out of business, you have to turn the lights off in the building and go home. And in that case, you've learned, you know, maybe something that'll help you get a new job, but, um, generally the de- decision is bad as, as bad as it is, is going to help you make better decisions in the future. So I try and take that and say, okay, we know this went wrong. This didn't work. Why didn't this work? What do we think we can do based off of what we've learned that is actually going to be successful? It's funny is that, you know, in popular, I think society today, we've kind of rejected this principle of the scientific method you know, nobody seems to really apply that anymore, but that's kind of really what you're doing, right? You're, you're making a hypothesis, attempting to find supporting information, and ultimately arriving at a conclusion. And sometimes your hypothesis was wrong, right? Like that's the purpose of the scientific method is to evaluate that hypothesis and 
effectively see if you're correct or incorrect. And along the way, you have markers that are going to kind of tell you that. But I think, you know, that kind of gets to this decision level of, of scope, right? Like you're going to, you're going to make mistakes. Making mistakes is totally okay. The higher you go in the organization, the bigger the mistakes are, but the more that you learn about them, but they're also the risk versus reward factor is higher, right? Like if you are making one team's worth of decisions just to make a change on a particular landing page, maybe um, that one flow improves registration by two or 3%. And that could be huge. Or you're making a decision much higher up about an entire strategic direction for the company. You know that the engineering time investment is multiple millions of dollars, but the expected return on investment could power 20% of your business for years to come. So, I mean, there's, there's this level of scope and also at an associate level, you're not going to have to make those type of decisions. If somebody does it's, ask uh, you to make those type of decisions, you should question their, their thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what would you say your success rate is on those decisions at, throughout your career? So earlier on and then now, is it same? Has it gotten better? <laughs> 40%. 40% success. Okay. Yeah. Zach, what do you think? I would agree. I would say it's <laughs> 40. Less than yeah. half. It's probably less than half. Less than half. That's the, Patrick, yeah, I you, think you agree with that, Patrick? <laughs> I mean, I'll be a little egotistical and say I have a 65% success rate. But. Ooh, all right. Ooh. <laughs> Hire Patrick. I was, I was, I was going from the, uh, you're saying average across your career, man. I was going, well, we've had some startups that have done too well. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say definitely 50, 50 or, you know, below if I would lean more below on my side, um, just to be cautious, but yeah, it's interesting. I think it, it varying levels, like you said, the APM versus now, I, I don't think that's changed as much, um, the success rate, but I do think that the reaction has gotten better. So, so the learning and the adapting and the, the cycling through that process has gotten, you know, we've developed good processes being in our careers for a while at this point to say, like, we know it works well when we get a response from something. We know how to reduce that cycle time to make the decision. Um, we know how to react well to the next step after we learn from that decision. And I think that just gets better as you experience more and more um, in your career and you experience more processes and you, you, you become a student to some of those things that you learn. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I would say that definitely if you were to ask me where my decision-making, like how correct are we getting now after eight years of designing and managing and doing product work, I'm way more accurate now than I was at the start of my career. You know, I was definitely way, like you made more gut level decisions, maybe didn't use as much data. Now there's a lot more, you know, aggression in how we look at things more detailed wise. So I think get to a more accurate level, the further down the funnel you get and the more diligence you put in. Yeah, I think you start to you start to figure out and learn frameworks that help you make better decisions. Yeah, um, you know, you start and you to can learn. apply those like in your real work. Exactly. But, yeah. yeah, you you learn frameworks that, that are applicable in, in a variety of situations, and that can help you from the get go start to make better decisions or better chances of making the right decision. The other thing too is like it's worth calling out. We're kind of saying broadly that like you know half or a little less than half is kind of your your success rate. 
But the longer you spend on a, a particular problem or with a particular subset of users you're solving for, that should then get better. Yeah, it should get better. As a PM, <laughs> yeah. your, your job at that point is to produce outcomes. And so I, I really like what Lou said about the scientific method side of it, because that's exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Good PM right. is looking to find a successful outcome for users and a business. And the right way to do that is to learn. So initially you're going to get a lot wrong because if everyone knew what to do, like, you know, there'd be a lot more, uh, I don't know, billionaires maybe, but, um, well, I think, I I think you're even getting into that level of that's why the methodologies work, right? Like when we say 40%, we try ideas all the time. It doesn't mean they make them into production, like you can split test, you can A-B test, you can challenge all of your hypotheses and you can do that all before it sees a user's eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I think what's the most efficient and effective way to test your hypotheses as a product manager? I think this is true all the way up the scale. It's just kind of like you said, the scope and the impact grows um, and the amount of product lines grows. But what's the most efficient and effective way and cheapest way to, to test your idea yeah. to help you know this is the right direction or to learn what isn't working so that you can find the right direction. Yeah. So, so if I were an APM listening to product coffee or an aspiring product manager, what kind of homework would you give them um, based on today's conversation? Yeah, I, I would say look up Jeff Bezos' 1997 shareholder, shareholder letter um, and read that about type one and two decisions. I think that has, that's kind of a, one of those frameworks that can help you get unparalyzed when you're making a decision. Um, and then one other thing I would say is like um, really just look for what is the outcome I'm looking to drive as a PM, whether I'm a, a, a first-time associate PM or I'm a lot more senior you know, at the end of the day, what will make the company really happy with me if I solve this? What will make the users really happy? And how can I learn something to help get me there? And so those are the, you know, sometimes take a step back and look at the bigger picture. That's that's kind of a big part of what you're looking to do when you're, you're learning as a PM. Yeah, and just, uh, you know, I, I think study frameworks and processes and learn from why they implemented these things and why it works and, and, and experiment. Yeah. Make your use data to drive your decisions and be an experiment, just not in front of a lot of uh, savers, right? Your, your playground, your experimental framework shouldn't be right in front of everybody else. Yeah. Well, sounds great. Um, thank you guys so much. And um, rate, subscribe us on iTunes and, and all the fun platforms. Uh, share share out on linkedin let us know uh, um how you took the episode uh, any comments or feedback you have for us uh we'll, we'll see it i promise <laughs> um and then uh um yeah it looks like we finished up our coffee so go level up <laughs>